Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Ron Jorlock, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I'm joined by a dear friend and colleague, Dr. Kenneth Coley, uh, for a conversation on teaching and the teaching ministry in the local church. Dr. Coley is an expert on this topic with decades of experience in teaching. He's authored and edited several books, including Entrusted to the Faithful and, more recently, Transformational Teaching, Instructional Design for Christian Educators. He was a, co- uh, a co-author for that book as well. Dr. Coley, thank you so much for taking time to join the conversation today. Ron Jewer, what a special opportunity for me to spend time with you and your listeners. Yeah. Thank you very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, just a little random uh, uh, tidbit here with Dr. Coley. Um, a couple years ago, uh, back when there was joy in baseball, um, uh, we celebrated together uh, the uh, the championship, the World Series title for the Washington Nationals. Uh, Dr. Coley lived for several years in the Maryland, D.C. area. I grew up in the Maryland, D.C. area. And so we just kind of had a bond ever since then. It's been more lamenting and 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 just, you know, we share shoulders to cry on uh, in, in more recent years. But, but we can always remember those days. Those were very special days. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I'd be curious to hear about some of the lessons that you've learned after after decades of teaching ministry leaders and students. You've uh, how many years have have you uh, had in in teaching? Forty eighth year this year. Wow, forty eight so years. I, I'm I'm hoping to make fifty. There we go. There yeah, we go. There we go. So so looking back on your on your career uh, in teaching and and uh, both in the seminary level, you know, in the academic level, but also on the local church level, uh, what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned over the years? Ephesians 2:10 is my favorite verse when I think about my career mm-hmm. and how the Lord has blessed me. I'm sure your listeners have committed that to memory. <laughs> we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. And one translation adds, walk you in it. Uh, The Lord has impressed upon me every participant, student, class member that walks across the threshold into my classroom, into the Bible study. Uh, They are God's workmanship. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit is whispering to me, I've given you this opportunity to influence my workmanship. Ken, at very least, would you not mess them up? <laughs> at very least, would you not knock them off the path uh-huh. that I have set for them? But each one has a special purpose in God's plan. And then he's asked me, to participate in that in that plan. Hmm. Uh, after a lot of decades, uh, I've gotten it down to one word. Teaching is about change. Hmm. Where no change takes place, no teaching and learning hmm. has taken place. I think that bears repeating. I say it to myself all the time. Where no change takes place, 
No teaching and learning has taken place. It's not about me getting up as the sage on stage Mm. and doing a Bible study for 50 minutes where I'm the only voice uh, that speaks. And I'd say a a third uh, point would be uh, all the literature says that greater change takes place when the learner is engaged. So I flip it around and I say, engage for change. Mm. We're going for change and the greatest change takes place as opposed to the participants sitting passively Mm -hmm. and just listening. Mm -hmm. Now, just want to highlight this for a second. I didn't say no learning can take place Mm. with uh, the expectation that the uh, participant is simply listening. Mm -hmm. Didn't say no change takes place, but greater change takes Mm -hmm. place Mm -hmm. where the participants are engaged. And so I just uh, like to repeat what I uh, read in a strong book by Howard, uh, Discussions in the College Classroom. Uh, He talks about the one doing the work is the one doing the learning. Hmm. Wow. So there are a few points that I've picked up over the years. I started in middle school. Uh, taught high school for a number of years, uh, blessed to be the leader of Christian school mm-hmm. for 15 years, and have uh, been here at Southeastern teaching uh, college grad and doctoral work for uh, 26 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And such great, great lessons as well. Um, is being a good teacher something that you learn or are the skills something that you're born with? Uh, I chuckled when I saw uh, that you were going to ask me this question. Uh-huh. Because if I said, well, you're, you are born and you have it. Whitney Houston was born with the prettiest voice many, as, many of us would say we've ever heard. Sure. Uh, that's clearly a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jordan floats through the air. Mm-hmm. Air Jordan that's that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Now, both of them worked extremely hard to hone and fashion that gift. Uh, but if I said it's teaching is something that you're born with or you have it or you don't, then your listener would go, well, then why do you have a career as a teacher trainer? Right. <laughs> so, uh, no, uh-huh. it's not something you're born with. So let's go with skills for a moment. So there are skills in teaching Mm -hmm. that people can learn. Uh, I would argue every parent is a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Or ought to be and ought to see him or herself uh, as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone who is any type of employer or supervises people, uh, on the job. Uh, they're teachers. Mm-hmm. They, they may not think of themselves that way, but they're teachers. So definitely there's, there's skills involved that can be coached, mm-hmm. and I love doing that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people get uh, 
stymied or confused uh, because they see someone who's an experienced mentor, an experienced pastor, um, and they go, I can't, I can't be that. Well, be who you are. Sure. God designed you to reach certain people in certain ways. Be who you are. And then as you work with things I've written, if you work with uh, other people who can coach you, hopefully you would have a viewpoint that the skills can be scaffolded mm-hmm. and broken down into s- smaller steps and you work your way uh, to be a stronger and stronger teacher. Yeah. Back to the other side of this, what are you born with? Some folks are not born with a strong EQ, and that's gotten a lot of play in the 21st century, mm-hmm. emotional quotient. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of folks are very uh, logical and intellectually driven, but they're a little short on reading people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you're not born with that, ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you uh, in your perception of how to communicate with people. We'll come back to this later on in our conversation today. Uh, But you ask about, are you born with it? Well, Jesus said you must be born again. Mm. So why not ask the Holy Spirit for rebirth? Uh, in various areas of your ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not we're not fatalists, you know, in the sense that who you who you are is who you will always be, you know, or or anything like that. You can certainly learn. You can certainly develop. You can certainly um, uh, hone new skills and talents and so on. And that's of course what what teaching is all about, uh, mm-hmm. as you as you were saying. Yeah. Um, I think about the the concept of um, in sports we talk about people with raw talent, you know, kind of what you were saying with Jordan and and, and so on. These folks that had raw talent, and you see them in 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 play, and you just go, this guy just jumps higher than everybody else, or or say in football, this guy can just throw farther than everybody else. But then they'll say things. Those who those who are in the know say, like with a quarterback, they they're in the know and they say, yeah, but his footwork is off. Yeah, but he keeps he keeps dipping his shoulder, you know, when he when he throws or he throws off his back foot, you know, yeah. and all of these different things. He can make the throw, but he could be so much better and so much more accurate if he learns how to hone that raw talent and 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 really develop it. Yeah, uh, in all the literature particularly 21st century literature on teaching, there's a word that comes up over and over again, and that is reflection. Hmm. The very best teachers Mm. are those who reflect. I'm cursed with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) After after every session, Mm -hmm. particularly when I used to coach my kids, I'd wake up at 3 a.m. after two or three hours of fitful sleep, and I would replay Mm-hmm. Every possession, every at bat, mm-hmm. uh, every defensive stand, whatever the sport was, yeah. I would replay it, reflecting on how the team did, and then start to set up the next day's practice. Uh-huh. So as we reflect on what what the Lord is doing in us and through us, then we think about how can I shape 
this coming week's Bible study sermon, how can I shape that? And through reflection and prayer, the Lord brings to our imagination, our creativity, our higher order thinking. Mm -hmm. He brings to us, this is how you can improve. So self-reflection is huge. And then everybody that I know that continues to get better, they have mentors. Mm -hmm. They have Mm -hmm. peers. They have sources of uh, folks that critique. Yeah, I, believe me, self-reflection. Uh, sometimes it's it's vicious, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember uh, just recently I was I was giving a, a message uh, to a group of teens, and I kid you not, as soon as I sat down, I thought of another way to to close to finish the message, yeah. and I just felt like. Like the the, uh, the the worship leader was leading the worship and everything, singing the songs after the message, and I just felt like wanting to get up and going. Oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Can I can I just say? <laughs> I thought of something. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're just going, nope. Time's up. Sit down. You know, uh, <laughs> it's all over. But and that, so, that's so you healthy. you start praying for another at yep. bat. Exactly. So exactly. you can see the curve coming right. and hit it out of the park. Right. But, right. But right. that at bat was gone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, right. Great metaphor. Oh boy. Um, so why is it important for pastors to be good teachers? I'm gonna put that in two words. Durable learning. Hmm. Durable learning. Uh uh many of us have experienced the blessing of people uh greeting us at the door on our way out, shake our hand and go, Pastor great message. And then five minutes later, it's gone out of their head. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a worshipful experience. It was positive. But does lasting change take place? Yeah. And so uh, as we teach, we have to ask, uh, and the uh, listeners are asking, where do I put this? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so one of the aspects of strong teaching is to connect new information to prior learning and prior experience. And Jesus did this mm-hmm. on every page yeah. of the Gospels. Yeah. Yeah. Look at any of the parables. The parables were structured so that his listeners would receive the greatest theology ever spoken. But he connected it to prior learning and prior experience, mm-hmm. the I am sayings in the Gospel of John, every one of them, everyday concrete pieces. That's yeah. great preaching yeah. because they were able to take it with them. And when they broke bread, I am the bread of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were in the dark and lit a candle, I am the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh Everything that he taught, he connected it to prior learning and prior experience, which gives him a place to put new information and leads to durable learning. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, one of one of the books that really uh, helped me, it was one of the insights that really helped me, was from a book called uh, Invitation to Biblical Preaching by uh, Don Sanukian, who used to teach over at, at, uh, at Talbot over in California. 
And he had what he called relevancy questions, which I've kind of adapted and I've used in my class, uh, my Bible exposition classes several times. And there are three questions that you ask. Um, and in my, my own words, I, I say, uh, uh, do they get it? Do they buy it? And will they use it? Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, will they will they get it? And is there is there anything that I'm saying that they just simply don't understand? It's over their heads. It's complicated, you know, or something. I've got to explain that. Help them understand what that means. Will they buy it? They may get it. They just don't agree. <laughs> you know, they just, you know, they don't they don't agree with you. And so what do I need to do to make a case that this actually is the right way, that this this is good, this is right, this is true, this is wise, you know, so on. And then will they use it? They may get it, they may buy it, they, but just as you said, they don't know what to do with it. Yep. You know, and so I've got to think of ways, uh, and, and you're very helpful with that, to connect this to our, you know, our everyday living, our everyday experience, and so on, so that they're still thinking about this when they leave. And they're still, they're, you know, it's still on their minds, and they don't just... You know, they've, they've consumed the product, if you will, and now they move on to the next thing. That's not what I want for them. I want yeah. them to take this, and I want it to shape the way they live and the way they think. And I ask uh, students, uh, folks that attend conferences, et cetera, uh, I ask all these groups, do you recall cramming for an exam? Mm-hmm. And, of course, every head nods. Sure. Uh how long did you keep that information, mm-hmm. and did you ever use it? Mm-hmm. How long did it stay with you? And uh, immediately the audience is laughing. Uh-huh. And I think the quickest uh, response of, of loss of learning uh, or loss of information, uh, one attendee said, I forgot it before I turned the test paper in. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going, go to the business office and tell them, don't pay Coley. Uh-huh. I didn't retain anything he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm serious about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Don't pay me. Uh, and if it's uh, merely shoved into short-term memory, uh, has it been a valuable experience? I say no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What advice would you give to pastors on identifying and equipping members in their church to teach? So it's not just the pastor doing the teaching, but Ephesians 4, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So how do do you identify and how do you equip other people in the church uh, to teach? Fabulous question. And and I would say uh, a few uh, brief characteristics. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, individuals that are going to be your teachers need to have a passion for God's Word. Mm. Mm-hmm. Number two, they need to have a passion for others. Mm. Uh, we've met people who love to talk about God's Word. They love to study it. They love to outline it. Mm-hmm. But do they love the people that they're going to be interacting with? Sure. And then I would say three, are they coachable? Mm. So if you can find individuals with those three uh, characteristics, passion for God's word, passion for people, and coachability, then you can work with them and mentor them and model for them good teaching, Mm -hmm. and they can become very useful. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. What role uh, role do uh, character and credibility play in, in this process? I completely and wholeheartedly embrace 
Luke 6, 40. Hmm. When the disciple is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could go different uh, trails on that sure. for, for many minutes. But that, that mentor, that teacher has to have credibility, has to have character mm-hmm. because he or she, the leader, is going to influence those they're discipling. And they're going to, and more is caught than taught. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, people are watching the model Mm -hmm. and the substance and the integrity of the person who's doing the teaching. Yeah. You know, it goes back to what you had said before about about change, that, that teaching involves and teaching requires change. And and so it's almost like you have to ask the question. Well, what are we? What do you want to change? You know, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to change minds? Um, you know, certainly that there's benefit to that. You know, we want to see uh, different ideas refined and sharpened and 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 and, and developed and, and so on. Um, but is that all that God wants? Is that is that the only change? You know, that God is after. Uh, and certainly we know from the scriptures that discipleship is about more than just, you know, the transferring I- of ideas. You know, the discipleship is also about the shaping of lives. And, yes. and so if, um, if we're thinking about uh, discipleship merely as the, the changing of ideas, then, yeah, get the brightest, get the smartest, <laughs> you know, uh, and so on. And they can, they can say that. But if you're talking about the changing of lives, just as you said, what is, what is caught or things are more, are more caught than taught, uh, then it should be really imperative for us to go, well, then what are people catching? <laughs> yep. you know? and, and Paul's metaphor is fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wonder about that sometimes with our with our churches that maybe we've intentionally or not we've made discipleship and we've made the the teaching ministry of the of the church more about the head, you know, than than about anything else, more about the you know the the, the transferring of ideas than the actual, you know, transforming of lives. Um and so you may have teachers that that are qualified in the sense that they they have great knowledge and and you mm-hmm. know they they they've got all of that but maybe not so much qualified on the character level wow uh you yeah. know and what, what what do you what do you do in that situation it, it, let's say you have somebody where they're i mean they kind of what we were saying before about the skill yeah. they are just gifted i mean they they are able to teach well they're able to articulate well Folks love hearing them, but maybe they don't have the 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 character, you know, uh, uh, going behind. What what do you do? I in thought that? you were going to ask me a totally different question. Oh, okay. I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Where is he? If he doesn't have the character, mm-hmm. then one of my biggest disappointments in in the body of Christ today is people lack the ability. To carry out Matthew 18, Hmm. people lack the ability to have a heartfelt conversation one-on-one, eyeball-to-eyeball with deep care for the brother Mm -hmm. and say, this is what I'm concerned about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that 
that is not going to uh, – you can't impact that individual by a full-scale uh, alteration of your teaching program, of your coaching program. What you've just described to me yeah. very pointedly requires a one-on-one, a one-with-two uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and deep exploration mm-hmm. of of that uh, issue with character. Yeah, yeah. Now let me let me flip the question. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of my mind's going. <laughs> so, uh, why don't we flip it? So, what if there's somebody who has the character? They definitely, you know, are are wonderful, godly people, and so on. They may not necessarily be the best teachers. <laughs> okay, that's where I thought you were going. Okay, okay. The first time. So yeah. we talked about character. So they have the intellectual ability and passion to study. Mm-hmm. They have the character to model Christ. Mm-hmm. But then they uh, it seems that they're falling short in the classroom experience. Everything's ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really blessed by Randall House, uh, the opportunity to write a book called Teaching for Change. Mm-hmm. So perhaps maybe your listeners would like to explore this a little bit. Uh, but I created a character, and the minister was all set for his first Bible study, and he had framed out everything, and then it was time to start, and all of a sudden, it hit him uh, like a freight train. I don't know what I'm doing in front of this group. Oh, wow. I know Scripture. I know uh, the dynamic of arranging the room mm-hmm. and setting out uh, the uh, snacks and creating the atmosphere. But as far as the uh, skillful activities and engagements with the group. So uh, briefly, and this is a, a whole nother topic, uh-huh. uh, briefly, engage your learners. Engage your learners. Hmm. So, Jesus engaged on every page of the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Jesus asked the learners to think or imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Consider the lilies of the field. Yeah, yeah. So he has a large crowd in front of them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, does anybody have any questions? Mm-hmm. That was not his engagement technique. Yeah. He started with their imagination, their uh logical, intellectual uh, participation. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, ask them to read. Ask them to read and look for something. Or, as I read, listen for. And in most any passage, you could say, look for the verbs. Yeah. And if you don't want to use a grammar term, look for the words that describe action. Mm-hmm. And so there are four active words here in this passage. Listen for Paul's commands, that which is an imperative, mm-hmm. uh, or read, uh, going a step further so they can be engaged by their imagination. They can be engaged by reading or listening. Number three, they can be engaged by writing. Mm-hmm. I put a a card in the bulletin this morning, and as you listen today, I want you to take this card out, and I want you to write down your takeaway. Mm. What's your takeaway 
from the message, mm-hmm. and I want you to hand it to me on your way out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they can think, they can read, and they can write. Mm-hmm. And guess what? No one has done anything with another participant up to that point. So it's it's individualistic, but it's still engagement. Yeah. Uh, and then a step further, turn to the person next to you. Educators call it your shoulder partner, your elbow partner, uh-huh. and tell that person your summary of the last uh, two or three verses. Mm. Put it in your own words and share it with them, mm-hmm. and I'll give you 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'm describing is the scaffolding or the building up of engagement Yeah. as opposed to I'm going to talk for 45 minutes, the sage on stage, and you're going to listen, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to involve you. Subtly, that communicates, I don't think— uh, that anyone in the room is blessed by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Other than the guy who's talking. Right, right, right. And I'm going, I'm not the only person in the room that's read Scripture, mm-hmm. and I'm not the only one that the Holy Spirit can use to delve into mm-hmm. and uh, explicate a passage. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, you could, uh, in a if the setting is right, going beyond just talking to the person next to you, mm-hmm. a group of people can collaborate mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even create something new. Yeah. Like, what does this look like yeah, in yeah, my yeah. office this coming week? Mm-hmm. Now, very few pastors would have dropped the reins and have a full-scale talk to a half a dozen people around you in right. the middle in the middle of worship. Right. But try that on your weekly Bible study. Mm-hmm. Try that. Build up from thinking to listening and reading to writing to talking to the person next to you and then to collaboration, to creating something new. Try that in different settings and coach the new teacher who is all about himself and his own study to give the people an invitation to engage. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So what are some steps that pastors and teachers can take to uh, uh, to better engage? So like you you, you mentioned some of those in, in there. How about we think about um, instead of the classroom, maybe maybe with the pulpit. Uh, you know, what would that look like um, for, for the preacher? Like you said, he's sitting back and, you know, he, he you know, more than likely isn't going to take those precious 40 minutes <laughs> for discussion, you know, or things like that. But there are ways that you can engage, you know, uh, and, and, and keep people engaged with it. What, what are some ways? Uh, I, uh, the Lord showed me in Micah chapter 7. Who is the God like unto thee? Mm, mm-hmm. And then there are seven powerful pictures yeah. that follow in that passage. Who is the God like unto thee? And uh, Micah goes on to describe it. Now, let's put everybody at ease. I'm not going to do this sermon. <laughs> but I start the message by saying, pull out your cell phone and find a picture that makes you smile. Hmm. Now, show it to the people around you. 
And all of a sudden, the sanctuary breaks into laughter uh-huh. and smiling and joy because they found a picture that makes them smile. Yeah. And they share it with others around them. Mm-hmm. I get everybody back settled and quiet. And I go, now, as we look at God's word, we're going to look at seven pictures that ought to make us smile. Yeah. yeah. Every time we think about one of these seven. Mm-hmm. So that was my setup mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was my uh, engagement. Um, ask the listener in the next verse, I want you to look for uh, this critical piece of information. Mm-hmm. Stop talking and let them dig it out himself, herself. Yeah. Uh, and it can be done in 15, 20 seconds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to sitting back passively mm-hmm. and just listening. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, it's interesting. You think about, um, I believe it was, was a Warren Wiersbe with uh, Preaching and Teaching with Imagination, I think mm-hmm. was, uh, was, was his book, or Spurgeon. Uh, certainly, with uh, his lectures to my my students, you have these folks that, that Howard Hendricks, yeah, Hendricks, yeah. definitely, yep. definitely. Sure. Um, you know, you have these folks that that recognize that very principle that um, you know it's one thing for you to just sit and you know kind of verbal vomit you know just just blah you know all over all over the people and and they're getting a whole getting lot of a drink from a fire hose yeah yeah exactly exactly um but there's there's another thing when you think about the teachers that are that are most influential the ones that we're still talking about to this day even in terms of preachers the ones that we're still talking about to this day they the they were effective at least from a communication standpoint, because they learned that very principle. They learned how to engage. Um, and so, you know, whether it was an illustration or a word picture that they that they used, and it just stuck, you know, it, it was just, it connected. And I just challenge folks, if this is does not come naturally for you, people do what they know. Mm-hmm. If they knew something better, they would do it. Right. They do what they know. <laughs> right. Right. And number two, people do what they're comfortable with. Uh-huh. And I'm going, what does your audience need? Yeah. I teach or preach the way I do yeah. because that's what my class needs. That's mm-hmm. what the learners need. And Jesus changed his approach to teaching on every page of the Gospels. Mm-hmm. He approached groups differently and used different techniques yeah. uh, throughout. Uh, that. So I, I just ask people, if you're uncomfortable with me citing 21st century educational techniques, just go to the Gospels mm-hmm. and say, I want to teach like Jesus. Yeah. And you will see very few passages— the Sermon on the Mount, but yet he's still engaged, uh-huh. as I've already referred to. But very few long, lengthy sermons mm-hmm. that were parables, and the disciples would go, but Master, we're, we're confused. Break this down for us. And so there were opportunities for, for questions and dialogue. And he would say to them, who do people say that I am? Mm-hmm. 
Well, he didn't need to ask them to get a report on the word on the street. Yeah. He was Jesus. He was God. Uh-huh. He knew he knew the answer to the question. He wanted them to have the experience yeah. of having collaboration with each other mm-hmm. and say it back to to him mm-hmm. so he could correct their misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So you write about active learning techniques, ALTs. Uh, what is that? Uh, would you explain it to, uh, to our listeners? So I have been surreptitiously weaving the, these in all throughout our podcast. Okay. And so uh, I'll, I'll point back to a few and then I'll name a, f- a few more. Uh, active learning techniques can be done uh, – in a university classroom with 100 students mm-hmm. can be done in a sanctuary with 1,500 people, can be done in a Wednesday Bible study with 50 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm blessed to, to teach each week with approximately 50 people in the room, and I engage them through active learning techniques mm-hmm. uh, every week. And I've been sprinkling these in uh, throughout the podcast because uh, I'm aware that a lot of folks have just never seen this. Hugely blessed by Southeastern and the Lord to get to uh, teach and work with uh, uh, educators in Ukraine, in Uganda, Democratic Republic of the Congo, DRC, uh, in Latin America, my favorite trip was Cuba. Hmm. Universally, those people sat in classrooms and did nothing hmm. their entire careers but take notes, wow. memorize them, and parrot them back on exams. That's what I heard all over the world. Hmm. We've never seen anyone inviting us to participate in engagement. Wow. Uh, can you can you think of ways uh, that based on your comfort level <laughs> and what you're trying to achieve that way to engage people? Uh, I created one. Didn't get this out of a book. I just made it up. Uh, give out uh, six colored cards, note cards to a group of people. Change the color the next row. They get six different colored cards. Uh, Ask them, uh, react to the passage that I just read. What is your reaction to this? Write it down, and I get a volunteer prearranged, and they are the hub for that wheel, and all of the people pass their cards (coughs) to this individual, and that individual synthesizes uh, the responses, Mm -hmm. and he or she will say, well, four people have all responded with the word mercy. Hmm. A couple of others said forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Others have said, uh, I need to work on listening. Um, At this point, I have gotten input from 100% of the people in the room. Yeah knowing full well that a large percentage of those people 
would never dream of opening their mouths and speaking in front of a group of 50 people. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. But there was an active learning technique that engaged them, and so they get to have their insight and what the Holy Spirit has taught them voiced for the full class to have the benefit of their thoughts. And that's what I'm shooting for in every class, 100% engagement. I love that. I, I really love that. You know, and you think about, just as you said, there, there's a versatility to that. I mean, you can do that in any setting. You can do that with any size, you know, uh, uh, group. Um, you're just thinking, how can I uh, provide the opportunity for others to participate in, 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 this, in this process? And some listeners are thinking, that makes me uncomfortable. And my challenge is scaffold the mm-hmm. engagements until you become more comfortable and number two, not everybody learns like you. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone will uh, be impacted the same way you are impacted. So broaden your scope hmm. of the people the Lord can use you with. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. What are some positive signs that uh, that things are going well with you in terms of your teaching? And, and, and what are some signs, uh, you know, that— that you know it may not be going well. I'm not thinking about you personally, but in sure. terms of the, the the teacher. Yep. Change. Mm-hmm. I started with that word. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back to that word, where no change takes place, no teaching or learning has mm. taken place. Yeah. And as you interact with folks, you can watch them puzzle over scripture. You can just read them. Uh, My prayer, my hope is for people to teach and preach long enough to where they are concentrating on the listener rather than concentrating on what's the next word I'm going to say. Right, right. Uh, No one starts their teaching career with, with the ability to do some study and then just get up and uh, present effortlessly while watching the audience. Very few people start there. They're concentrating on, I need to remember my next point. Mm -hmm. I can't stray from my notes and so on. Well, my blessing, and after decades of experience, I'm I'm scanning the audience and I'm identifying those who are struggling. And I can watch them puzzle. I can watch them with joy. I can watch them with tears. Mm. Uh, I can watch them uh, cave Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit's working on their life. Uh, And if as you experience that, you know that what the Holy Spirit has invited you to participate in is creating change in that person's life. Hmm. Wow, that's good. That's good. I mean, all this that's kind of rising up to the surface. What can we do uh, to to bring about change? How do we teach to bring about change? How do we teach to engage 
um, and 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 include people in um, in in your teaching and so on. All of these are are just great great lessons. What um, any final words of encouragement uh, for for pastors, church leaders that are listening? I am hugely blessed, and with all humility, say that the Holy Spirit helps me every week. Hmm. And the Holy Spirit will help you uh, and encourage you and direct you. And as long as we start early enough in the week, (laughs) prayerfully Mm -hmm. on the passage, and we don't wait till Saturday night, we can say midweek, Lord, I'm stumped on this. Please, please bring understanding. And time and time again over the week, I need an opener. It's, I, I think I've got the passage, but I need an opener. And the Holy Spirit brings it to my mind's eye. And I, and I just have to praise him. Yeah. I ain't that smart. Not that uh, not that powerful. Um, the Holy Spirit will help you before the sermon, before the teaching episode. The Holy Spirit will give you insight and uh, inspiration during it. And all of the listeners have experienced this. And then following, following, uh, you can reflect, as we've already discussed. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse th- 13. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believes You are not responsible for changing another human being. Mm. God's word is going to do its work in you. I love that works effectively. Greek word, energian, Mm -hmm. gives us our English word, energy. The Holy Spirit is going to use God's word in people's lives. Folks, brothers and sisters, we don't. We're not expected, required to bring about change in people's lives. Mm. God's word does this. Mm. And, I'll, and I'll close with this one. Uh, Paul felt the burden to see people changed. Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29, he wrote, We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we might present everyone mature. In Christ, that's yeah. change. Yeah, I labor for this. So each of us is invited into kingdom work, and it's hard work, and we labor for this. But the end of verse twenty-nine, striving with His strength that works powerfully in me, mm. and so we can accept our assignments. And approach each week with the, with the assurance, as Paul states, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to work powerfully in us, mm-hmm. and we're not doing it alone, and we're not seeking to change anyone. 
God's Spirit and God's Word is going to bring this about. Amen. Amen. Dr. Coley, thank you for joining us today. It's been a blessing. Thank you. I'm so thankful for for your wisdom, your experience, uh, and certainly uh, I am thankful for your, for your friendship. And I'm and I'm and I'm particularly grateful that that there are two Nats fans um, in <laughs> in Wake County. So I'm grateful for that. And and I want to thank you, listener, for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you enjoyed today's episode. Why don't you consider leaving us a five-star rating and review? We'd love to hear any feedback that you're willing to give. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with this conversation. And as always, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.